presented by Miller Lite, Casey Phillips, and Scott Smith here. And we had a week off last week, but we are back now to talk all things Buccaneers. And we just, you know, this is normally the time of year where there's not a lot going on anyways, whether there's COVID or not. This is kind of the, the lull before the storm normally anyway. So that's what I'm trying to tell myself to just make it feel more normal and reasonable. But uh, it still feels like hopefully there is actually going to be football coming soon. And I know that you guys have probably tons of questions. So if you have questions for us, go ahead and send them on the Facebook page. If you're not already watching this live on Facebook, head on over there and you can leave a comment underneath the live video and we'll get a chance to go to as many of those questions as we can. As we give people a chance to start asking those, um, we know that the franchise tag is coming up. That's one of the few sort of newsworthy things that does happen this time of year and, and the deadline to have that signed is coming up. So Scott, I wanted to hear your thoughts on just overall how that might affect the Buccaneers. What can we be expecting to see in this next couple weeks? Yeah, the deadline is, uh, I guess, a week from today, and that's the deadline for which you can actually sign a guy on the franchise tag to a long-term deal. So once that passes, the really only two options are to sign or to not, you know, to hold out. And I think Shaq Barrett has made it clear that he intends to play this season. Obviously, his goal and, and probably the team's goal would be to have a longer-term deal worked out. Um, but at the very least, he should be playing on the franchise tag, and we'll know that within a week. And and, and, you know, maybe the uncertainty of the landscape of not just the NFL, but the entire world during all this COVID stuff is contributing to him and a few other guys not getting deals done that might have gotten done in a more normal year. Um, but, I mean, it, I don't know if it's good news or bad news. It's just a deadline. It's it's something that we're, we're going to know one way or another which under which type of contract Shaq Barrett is playing for the Buccaneers this coming year. But, fortunately, he's, also, he's already made it clear that he intends to play. So it's not really something that's – you know, making us, we're not, we're not nervous about it, I guess I would say. Okay. And I, I love this question already. This is great. I think it's from one of our fans, 11 year old daughters. Oh. Uh, she wanted to know who's going to be the diamond in the rough this year that she mentioned wow. Shaq That's last year and Adam Humphreys the year before that. So there's always someone. And apparently she is quite good at baking and has offered if you get it right, if it is accurate, to have some cookies made for you that include things like uh, homemade rainbow cookies. Oh. So there's a lot riding on this. You wow. Need... First of all, it's a very sophisticated question for an 11 year old. I know, right? Does, what I want to know is does getting it right mean I get what she thinks the answer is or, or I predict now and then that, that player. How about we say both and it doubles your chances of getting cookies. Wow. Uh, well, I'm, I'm really nervous at this point. I can't get, I can't <laughs> afford to get this one wrong. Um, Ooh, uh, boy, the problem for this particular question this year is that the depth chart is so set with, with most of the guys you already know. Um, maybe Antoine Winfield, is that fair? I mean, he's a rookie. Um, it's not exactly the same situation. I don't know if, am I supposed to be picking somebody off of the um, undrafted free agent list? Because, I mean, Shaq wasn't an undrafted free agent, so it sounds like it's just somebody that ends up having an amazing year that nobody really knew would be that well, good. All right, how about – I'll go with Keyshawn Vaughn then. Because, you know, the funny thing about that pick is the a lot of the reaction to that pick was when the Bucks didn't take a running back in the second round, which uh, many people expected. I, I'm not going to lie. I kind of thought we might do that as well. And the way the running backs worked out this year, it wasn't really top-heavy, but there were a lot of players that, that – um, people expect to go in late first, mid to second round. And that, that did happen. And there were some guys that were bigger names than Keyshawn Vaughn that came off the board around when the Bucks picked, but they passed and went with the safety who they clearly didn't want to pass up on. 
And, and they obviously did that believing they could get the player they wanted in the third round. And after that pick, when that sort of concept was thrown at um, Jason Light, his answer was, you know, our board wasn't necessarily the same as everybody's, you know, every, the, the perception out there, the, whatever had been created by um, analysts and so on over the course of the, the lead up to the draft was that there were certain tiers and that this guy was the best running back and he was second, he was third and so on. And he said, you know, and it's true because that's not really the way it works out. I mean, Chris Godwin was like the 13th receiver selected that year. And obviously he's been probably the best receiver out of that class. So you, you can't necessarily just, just because the Buccaneers passed on, uh, I don't know, the LSU running back instead and, and went with Keyshawn Vaughn, that doesn't mean they got their second or third choice. You see what I'm saying? So I think they, they're a lot higher on Vaughn than maybe the, the, the pre-draft rankings were, is my point. So um, would it be, would he fit the, the answer to this question if he ends up getting the same or more yards from scrimmage than Ronald Jones? I think it's possible, and I really want those cookies, so I hope that's the case. Um, and I think the, the path to that is him becoming the third down back and catching a lot of passes. So maybe getting 500 receiving yards and 500 rushing yards could put him there. Okay. I like that answer. I like that answer. Uh, all right. Daniel said, is the team looking for another edge rusher? And if so, maybe who could be a possibility? You know, I've said that all along, um, or at least last couple months. And normally this is the time of year where you'd have a couple little roster additions. You're, you're sort of turning over the 86 to 90 spots. Um, and as we've mentioned, um, uh, Bruce Arians made it clear that he and Jason Light have made a point of not taking the roster all the way up to 90. They've been three or four spots that are available. And usually you would fill all of them because you have teams on the field practicing and you want as many players as you can get. But that's not really that big of an issue this year. So they said they were keeping those spots open for the possibility of signing a veteran here or there that could step right in for one thing and be able to play special teams but also that somebody that could get into the mix quickly and learn the system quickly. And that's why they're talking about a veteran. And he mentioned inside linebacker, outside linebacker and defensive line as three positions where you might do that. And, and it seems to me that a veteran edge rusher would make a lot of sense because after JPP and Shaq, you really don't have anybody at all that has much experience. You know, Anthony Nelson is probably the most experienced guy and he played about half a season as a rookie due to injury. So it would make a lot of sense to me you know, the big name that's still out there is Clay Matthews. Um, I, I guess he could make some sense. Uh, but uh, there's also, um, and I'm blanking on his name, the the Giants, the player for the Giants who used to be with Arizona and played for Bruce Arians. Uh, it's bothering me that I can't think of his name right now. But uh, he played for um, Bruce Arians. The problem is he might be demanding a little bit more of a contract than the Buccaneers are looking at. You know, if they're going to bring in a guy now with the cap situation as it is, it's probably a, a mid-tier kind of guy. So. I'm not exactly sure who it would be. Uh, to me, that would be the most obvious position to make an addition for two. Okay. Um, and, you know, we, we were talking about the idea of this, this offseason overall and how weird it is in terms of trying to add new people, not knowing what all is going to happen. And um, it made me want to hear for you, who are the people that you think this is hardest for? The way this yeah. offseason is going, you know, the fact that we've missed so many reps and guys are having to figure out how to work out, you know, in different places and at home. Um, who are the either individual players or maybe even are there certain position groups it's harder on? Just overall, who does this affect more than others? Well, it's harder on the undrafted free agents. It's, it's really a shame for those guys. And, and, and we've talked about it before. Even beyond that, if you remember how an offseason usually goes, you sign your undrafted free agents and you have your draft class 
and then you have a rookie mini camp about a week later and you fill out the roster for that camp with a bunch of players on tryout contracts and every single year three or four of those guys get signed like Adam Humphreys who that um, 11 year old fan brought up uh, every year you sign a couple of those guys and, and you sort of turn over the bottom of the roster well how are those guys getting an opportunity at this point they may it may be that next year there's a double load of guys like that because if you're say if you're Adam Humphreys coming out of Clemson and you don't get a shot this year, you still maybe probably bide your time and try again next year and then there'll be a whole nother class. So there's going to be a lot of guys vying for roster spots next year. But when you get to even the guys that we did sign, like a Michael Divinity or a Zach Shackelford or, you know, all those, re those receivers from small schools or the quarterback, Reed Sennett, they would have had some time now uh, already to sort of learn the system. And that's what the offseason is so good for, for the rookies is they don't know the system when they arrive here, like the returning players do. So to be able to do well in training camp, to already have that base from the offseason is very helpful for them. And they don't have that. And I think it's going to be very difficult for undrafted free agents to make teams this year. And that's a shame, but I hope that it's just a dream deferred that they, you know, get their chance in years to come. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, well, we had Richard say that it's his birthday and he wanted a shout out. So there's a birthday shout out. All right, Richard. Richard. Okay. Um, and we also, Joseph asked, uh, do you think the O-line will be better than last year? Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, I don't want to, I, I don't want to disparage DeMar Dotson by saying that because he's been a great Buccaneer for the last decade. And, uh, you know, he goes down as one of the Buck greats, but, um, you know, DeMar Dotson was the elder statesman on that team. And now you replace him with a 23 year old or 22, whatever Tristan Wirfs is rookie, um, who's in, uh, impressively athletic and, uh, you know, a first round draft pick, a highly coveted guy. I think you have a chance to, to have a real impact player there at right tackle. Uh, and then Alex Kappa, the, the coaches were very pleased with what he did last year, but it was his first year as a starter, and I expect him to be even better. So that's good, obviously. And, and you also have – I think the depth is pretty good, at least at the tackle. Maybe, maybe they need a little more depth, of, you know, on the interior lines. Maybe somebody like the rookie I just mentioned, mentioned Zach Shackelford, steps up. But the tackle – depth is nice because presuming Tristan Worse wins that starting job, you, you, you sign Joe Haig in the offseason. And that's a, you know, at the very least, he's a very nice swing tackle a guy with starting experience. So um, I think it'll be better incrementally. Um, you know, maybe not a huge step forward, but yeah, I think it'll be better. Okay. Uh, Ryan asked, do you think they're going after a veteran running back? Not, not a, not a big name guy. I don't think so. I, you know, people want to want to connect us with Devontae Freeman. There was all those rumors. It wasn't even rumors. It was just, you know, Bruce Arians answered a question with Devontae's name in it, and that became a couple stories of back and forth. Uh, but I, I don't think if you sign a guy like Devontae Freeman, I would assume he comes in as your number one guy. And so I, I think they like Ronald Jones and Keyshawn Vaughn. So you wouldn't bring in a guy that's going to take away 50% of their snaps, I wouldn't think. So if there is a running back that's signed, I would think it'd be more of a depth sign. Okay. Um, and I also, we had a question about wide receivers specifically. Um, that, that they're a group that I think we've typically in, in recent years have been really struggling to kind of figure out where the cutoff would be on who's making the team and not. There'd be a lot of guys kind of all vying for some of those same spots. This year it feels more like you have, you have Mike and Chris, 
you know, that's an area all on their own. And then after that, there's a lot up in the air and, and a lot of interesting potential additions through the draft or undrafted guys. And then people like Justin Watson and Scotty Miller who are coming back. So where would you say that group is going to fall? You mean how many we're going to keep or? Yeah. And, and who could potentially have the chance to, to lock up some of those spots? And is, is that an area where you mentioned how hard it might be for some of these rookies to prove themselves? Is that an area yeah. where there's a spot for them? Yeah, the good thing about receiver, though, is even if you don't really know the system all that well, like I was just talking about, you can come in and one-on-ones and, and sort of impress with your ability to run routes and create separation. And, and you can show a lot of the things that a receiver needs to do in order to make the roster. Maybe not enough to carve out any kind of significant role, but enough to make the roster or get a practice squad spot. Um, a guy that I think is worth thinking about this year is Scotty Miller. Um, you know, he got a chance to play a little bit, played a little bit more in the second half before he got that final hamstring injury, showed some big playability. And, you know, we saw last year that even when uh, Brashad Perryman was playing well in the first half of the season, coaches said that every single week because they were being asked about him and his lack of catches and targets. And they said he's doing everything we want him to do. It's just that there's only so many balls to go around when you have Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, you know, who's going to, they're going to get the majority of the targets. I think that's still going to be the case this year. And then you also have the fact that the tight end position is loaded. And with Tom Brady, you kind of expect him to make big use out of a running back. Maybe that's Keyshawn Vaughn. So again, there's only so many targets to go around. And I think you could have a third receiver who's playing very well, but not necessarily having a huge number of targets. But if you could have that guy being a speedy guy, who maybe when Chris Goblin goes into the slot can take the top off the defense and make the occasional big play, that's a very useful thing. You know, you know, we talk about Brashad Perriman not having a lot of stats in the first half or even a little more than half of last season, but the Buccaneers were still playing 11 personnel with three receivers on the field about 58% of the time. So that third receiver, even if he's not getting a lot of stats, is on the field all the time. So you want that player to be an effective guy who runs routes well and actually scares the opposing defense enough that they don't, you know, that they have to cover him and create more more space for Chris Evans, Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. So um, that guy could be Scotty Miller. I, I think we're all excited about Tyler Johnson, what he could do, but I don't want to forget about Scotty. Yeah, that's a great point. Okay, well, that's going to do it for us on this edition of Buccaneers Insider Live presented by Miller Lite. Thanks to all of you guys for the questions and for joining in, and we will see you next week.